Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Hey, Brad. Hey, Grayson. Okay, today we're going to talk about adjusted EBITDA. Wow, technical subject. Yeah, there's a lot of initials and acronyms involved there. So uh, maybe just unpack that a little bit for us. What is adjusted EBITDA? Or in your world, what do you call it? We call it adjusted NOI or net operating income. Got it. Okay. So for us, it's EBITDA. For you, it's net operating income. Um, what What is this? <laughs> start, start, off, start us off with telling yeah. us what the hell it is. Well, it depends on you know who the, the player is. But if it comes from a Wall Street uh, broker or a, a shady, just regular real estate broker or business broker, then it is probably bullshit. But if, uh, <laughs> if it comes from... A legit, you know, owner or legit broker, Wall Street guy, and they're they're being thoughtful about what they're pulling out of EBITDA or NOI. Then it then it could be legit. So what they're doing is basically they're giving you the the profit of the company, right? So revenue minus expenses is generally, you know, simplistically the EBITDA or the net operating income, and then they are pulling out expenses that they consider to be one time expenses or non recurring expenses. And then they're calling that net result, the adjusted EBITDA or the adjusted NOI. Yeah. And this is important, right? Because most of the deals in my universe in the private equity world, and and I'm assuming in your world in uh, real estate, they're priced off of this number, right? So EBITDA for us, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, that's a key number, right? That's, that's sort of a, it's a measure of profit. And oftentimes, the price you pay for a company is some multiple of that number, right? Whether it's four or five, six times EBITDA. Critical number. Yeah. So this is super important. And so it's important to get this right. And so you know what, what, we're, what we're talking about today is going to be, okay, hey, the, the actual financial statements might give you one number for this, right? And it's, it's, a, you know, it's official. It's like, hey, if we account for all of our revenue, all of our expenses, here is the EBITDA or the net, net operating income. But hey, we're going to adjust it. And look, let's be honest, most of the times they adjust it up, right? <laughs> Very rarely do they adjust it down. You know, they're gonna, we're going to adjust this because yeah. we don't think it, you know, it accurately reflects the, the business. Yeah, well, right? that's like going to the teacher after you get your test results back and be like, uh, actually, I got this one wrong, but you marked it correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did that growing up. But well, you, you yeah. didn't do, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so, you know, so a simplistic example, let's say a business is doing a million dollars a year in revenue. You know, they have $900,000 a year in expenses, right? So they have a, a $100,000 of EBITDA. Bummer business. Yeah. Hey, look, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it feeds the family. Um, you know, they might say, you know, when they go to sell, they might say, well, look, you know, even though that we, you know, officially it looks like we're doing $100,000 in EBITDA, we're going to go ahead and make some adjustments to that. And it turns out it's actually $200,000 once you sort of remove the, the, the non-recurring or exceptional expenses, right? Totally. And, and like, like we said, there's two buckets. There are the valid exceptions and then there are ones that are just ridiculous and they, they shouldn't have pulled those out at all because they're, they're totally recurring. They happen all the time, every year, predictably. Yeah. So, okay. Why don't you, why don't you kick it off? Well, what are some, what are some non-valid um, adjustments that you've seen in the real estate world to net operating income? Usually it has to do with re like repair and maintenance line items where they say, oh, we had a water line break. And that never uh, happens. It never <laughs> happens. It hasn't happened in so long. And uh, we spent this crazy amount of money repairing it. And then you, you dig in, you start talking to people and you realize, well, you know, you might have only got three years of, 
financials and, and maybe there was only one or two occurrences of that. But then you, you start talking to the, the plumbers who are involved in that property and they say, oh yeah, every five years there's a $200,000 <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, water line expense. Yeah, they're like, we count on this. You know, we, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, part is of like our, half my business. Yeah, we come out here every, every five years, like clockwork. Yeah. But in, so in that situation, if you really did dig in and you found out, hey, this only happens once every 30 or 40 years, then, then you would consider that a valid adjustment. Yeah, right? and this is, there's, a, there's nuance to it because from a tax standpoint, as the operator, the owner... Yeah, you're going to want to capitalize those items and treat them as not an expense. You're going to want to put them on the balance sheet and get depreciation on them. Well, it kind of depends on your tax um, perspective, but the IRS will actually force you to to do major improvements and capitalize those. Uh, so from a tax standpoint, yeah, okay, maybe that is valid. Maybe it shouldn't be in the, the profit and loss statement for that year. But from a you know just running your own business on a year in and year out, you'd probably want to amortize like, okay, I bet that's going to happen once every three years. Cause you know, that's been the history of this property. So we have to factor that into the NOI of that property because otherwise if we don't, we're not going to be able to cover our debt service and we're going to be grossly overpaying for this property. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's a not valid one. Why don't throw out a few valid ones you've seen in the real estate world? Yeah. So uh, I've seen a lot of crazy ones where uh, and a lot of times it stems from the operator trying to shelter some income, right? They've owned the property for 30 years. They're past their depreciation schedule and they're just getting crushed by the IRS. So they start to get a little creative. So they <laughs> so start to hire some family members. <laughs> exactly. Their 10 year old son is now the, <laughs> the property manager. So what they'll do is they'll put in, uh, you know, they'll have some line item expense for, you know, $40,000 for uh, car payments or transportation costs. You're like, well, what, what does this have to do with running a real estate property? That's, that's, that's Uncle Bernie's uh, Cadillac Escalade, right? <laughs> yeah. There, there was one guy that literally had four Cadillac Escalades yeah, that mean, he had purchased for his entire family uh, and was what making- a generous care. guy. Yeah, very generous guy. Uh, and said that uh, his, his argument was, you know, to, if the IRS came to him, he, that he had to have those- those property or those those assets because uh, it was rough road, you know, to get to uh, the park. Well, and, and, and that's true. Let's be. I mean, those <laughs> those escalades are a very smooth ride. <laughs> yeah, and so in that situation, you would you that was valid. You sort of would you you would agree that you know that should should come out of net operating that, income, right? Yeah. So we didn't end up getting that deal. Uh, there was other problems with it, but we we took out that entire whatever thirty six forty thousand uh, dollars from that the expenses on our underwriting because the property didn't need a car. didn't yeah. need four cars. Yeah. Right? It only needed one Escalade. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, that makes sense to me. So then, um, and by the way, I think, I think, I guess that's an important point where this is a negotiation, right? I mean, there's no hard and fast rule on a lot of these things. It's like, if you kind of agree that, Hey, this is a, this is an exceptional expense or this is a, a non-recurring expense, then we will, you know, you, you agree that this should come out of EBITDA or net, yeah. in, net operating income, right? Yeah, because this is also an important point is that, uh, so usually on the real estate side, it's it's different from your, your guys' perspective because you get into the weeds earlier than we do. But if, if you're being told up front by the broker or by the owner that, you know, this is a, is never happens, it's not recurring expense, you have to trust their net operating numbers that they give you to make your offer and put it under contract. Where this becomes real useful and, and applicable is when you're digging into due diligence and then you start to see a pattern of these kind of expenses 
and realize that it shouldn't be pulled yeah. out. Yeah. And then that's when you fight for it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when you, and, and just to be clear, just to connect the dots for everybody, including my naive brain over here, this is where you would adjust the price, right? You would Correct. say, Hey, you know, we were led to believe this was an exceptional expense. It looks like it's happening every three years. So we have to reprice this a little bit. Yeah. And so I think that the nuanced point there is that if you start to try to do that before you get it under contract, you're going to miss out on a lot of deals right? versus if you just, Hey, well, I went with your numbers. I went with what you told me. Yeah. And now That's we're good, 60 yeah. days into the deal and I'm showing you that this is, this is recurring and we need a discount on the price. You're going to get a much higher probability of those deals going through, right? Than the ones you never could have uh, closed because you upfront, you tried to hammer it out. Yeah, that's a good. That's a great point. We see that in our world too, in private equity where, you know, folks will throw a bid in and then once they get awarded that bid and they're in diligence to say, hey, look, we found some things, You're, you know, the EBITDA, that, the adjusted EBITDA that you showed us isn't necessarily right. And, and then you just kind of hope that the, you hope that the seller is pregnant enough and that they've sort oh, of yeah. gone, you know, they're just sort of tired and they're like, ah, screw it. We'll yeah. just give them this. I don't so, want to go through that whole process of giving due diligence documents to somebody, the legal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there is a deal momentum and we, sh we could do a whole episode and we should on, on the quote, uh, the retrading process, <laughs> yeah. which, it, you know, is, is technically only really retrading if it's not valid. But yeah. anyways, that's another episode. Yeah. So, okay. So in private, in the private equity world, we see, I'd, I'd say some valid ones that we see is, um, you know, the, the husband of the CEO might be, um, on the payroll, right. And he actually doesn't work there, but he's somehow he's drawing a salary. And so the CEO will say, you know, <laughs> we're going to pull that out. My husband <laughs> and my husband doesn't actually work and he doesn't actually do anything for this business. And so, you know, I think, you know, we would agree that that one would be a, a valid adjustment. Um, you know, we see car payments, we see big trips, you know, family vacations that are called sort of business meetings. And so, um, you know, again, those would probably all be considered valid. The board meeting in Hawaii? Yeah, the, the board meeting in the Cayman Islands. That always raises a red flag. <laughs> You're like, why did you go there? Um, yeah, it's a great place for board meetings. Um, great scuba diving down there. Yeah. And so the ones that we would say, you know, some of the ones we've seen that are not valid, you know, we, we saw a company where, um, they went to a trade show and they, you know, they spent whatever, 20,000 bucks on a booth and, and getting their team out to the trade show. And they say, you know, the owner's like, look, we're, we don't have to do that. You know, that's, we're not going to keep doing that one. And we didn't, we didn't get a lot of benefit from the trade show. And that's a tough one, right? Because that's a legitimate business expense. It was, you know, it, the, the expense was, was there to, you know, ostensibly drive leads and drive business. And so just because it didn't work out, you don't think you're going to be doing that going <laughs> forward. doesn't mean that's not a valid expense. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that was, that was, a, that was an interesting one. Yeah. That's um, like a, the mul a mulligan in golf. You're like, ah, well that, that shot didn't work out. So we're going to just not count that. Wait, that's a bad thing. That's literally, you just described my entire strategy of golf. Um, <laughs> So the, I think the other one that um, the other one that we see that is valid is where you know the owner might be paying himself I don't know six hundred thousand dollars a year just you know taking a ton of cash out of the business from his salary but the market rate for the CEO of that business might be two hundred thousand dollars a year so they would they would add back the difference between the six hundred and the two hundred so they say hey look four hundred thousand of this is is unnecessary you're not going to have to incur this expense going forward 
And that's when you say, well, look, we're going to pay ourselves $600,000 too. And they said, no, you're not. And we say, okay, yeah, well, maybe we're not. Um, so yeah, those would be considered valid. But um, yeah, though, this is always a fun sort of negotiation, I think. And especially when you're pricing a deal off of EBITDA. Yeah, it's high stakes. Yeah, right? it is. And yeah, it's, it's important. Uh, funny enough, it's actually, I think it's arguably higher stakes in, in commercial real estate because, um, to an extent, right? Because you guys are paying, what, five, six? Seven multiples, maybe? EBITDA? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're looking at some software companies where, um, you know, we're paying higher than that just because they don't have much EBITDA. Yeah. Well, okay. But if you are paying, you know, a deal that you're paying five or six, yeah, so it's still important. But what happens if you're paying a 20 or a 14 multiple on, on net operating income and yeah. you get that number wrong? Yeah. No, it, that it, really it matters. hurts. Yeah, so I think I guess the overarching lesson here is just um, this this number matters a lot. So get it right, and and really, I think it is worth going through item by item and looking at each adjustment and really deciding if this is a valid adjustment or if this actually is, you know, part of the you know cost of doing business and should not be excluded. Hundred percent. Okay, so go have fun out there adjusting EBITDA and net operating income, <laughs> and call us and let us know your experience. Yeah, let us know how it goes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.